Our text this morning, Matthew chapter 13 from verse 1 to 9. Matthew 13 verse 1 to 9. I'll talk to us this morning about getting beautiful results. That this month you will get beautiful results. Matthew chapter 13, we're reading from verse 1 to 9. Because for every promise, there's an action that is required of you. Matthew chapter 13 from verse 1 to 9. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Others fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plant. Still, others fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has hears, let him hear. Amen. We know that story very well. That is a story about a farmer who got good results. And it's okay for us to actually look at such story this morning and understand that, oh, we need to get good results. And while I was thinking about this topic, I realized that there were three things that are very, very crucial, three things that are very, very important to you getting results. Two of them, anybody can use them and get results. But the last one, is what makes us special, is what makes Luke chapter 1, verse 37 work for us. Three things that are very important, two of them anybody can use, but the third one is what makes Luke chapter 1, verse 37 important and poignant, and the strength that's in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. What are these three things? The first one is relationships. The relationships that you build determines how far and how well you're going to go. It determines what is going to happen to you. It determines what you are going to do. When you look at how scriptures describe beautiful results, oftentimes you'll see the stories of farmers or planting being used because it was something that everyone in that time could relate with. So the story of farming was always used when it comes to results, getting results. In, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul 2 was talking about this when it comes to ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, I have planted, Apollo watered, God gave the increase, making us to realize in that scripture that Success at times is not just dependent on you. At times you need people. At times you need the right set of people around you. What often happens to you and I 
or even for, to the people in the world, is that we sit down and we calculate in our head who can take us to this place that we have to get to. And oftentimes, we're always looking upward. We're always looking to create our um, networks from all those people that we see that are going where we hope to go to, or the level that we want to get to someday. And it is good. There's nothing wrong in that. You must increase your network with people who can pull you up. You must increase your network every time. You must increase your relationship with people who can put you up. Relationships are very, very important to the path to success. I wrote in my note, I said, without Jonathan, David would never have been king because he would have been killed at some point. I said, without John the Baptist, who would have pointed Jesus Christ out? Everyone needs someone to point you out. Everyone needs someone to say, yes, I can recommend this person. You need reference from someone at some point regarding everything. Regardless of how skilled you are, somebody needs to point you out. I said, without the butler, when Joseph was in prison, his gift would never have been known. Possibly would have rotted in, in prison, despite the promise of God in his life. I said, when it comes to Naaman, Naaman, the, 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 the general who was leprous, the relationship that he needed was from a servant girl. What am I saying to us from all these examples is the fact that, A, the person that you need the most might be the person that's sitting next to you in church this morning. Yeah, look at the person. The person that you need the most might be that person that you despise at work. The person that you need the most might be that cleaner that when you finish taking your coffee at work, you just leave your cup on the table and expect somebody else to pick it up. The person that will point you out, you don't know. When I look through scriptures, I realize that everyone that had a very good relationship on the path of success were people that were appointed by God, not by the person. They were not people that each of those people went to look for, oh, can you point me out? Can you help me with this? God placed them there at that time for you or for the person that they were going to be a blessing to. The slave girl was just doing her job at home. On one day, God moved her. To speak, with the, to speak with the general. This is how it is. That is why as Christians, you and I cannot despise anyone. Now, pastor, what you're saying is that I should create a relationship with everyone. Listen, how does your social circle look like? People in your social circle, who can recommend you? That's the question you must always ask yourself. And it's a question I ask myself every time. That out of all these people that knows me, what value do they place on me? I've seen people before that will struggle to recommend people in their church, even in the same church. I've seen people who will not want to point somebody out because, oh, I don't want to be disappointed. This thing does not work like that. We are all together beautiful. If God can save you, if God can pick you out of nothing and make something out of you, if God can pick you from where you were to where you are today, why do you think that God cannot do the same thing for the next person? We need to be conscious of this, that A, somebody's results might be tied to you. The same way 
that yours is tied to somebody else. What am I saying this morning, church? The relationship that you keep and the value that relation or those relationship places on you determines what comes from it. So number one thing that's very important this morning, church, in this path to, to beautiful results are the relationships that you keep. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Bible says evil communication corrupts good manners. Right? It is possible for your relationship to mess you up completely. It's not possible for your relationship to lift you up. It's possible for your relationship to pull you down. It's, may God not allow people that will pull you down come near you in the name of Jesus. The second thing that's very important this morning or this part of beautiful result is the word diligence. Diligence. Paul said, Paul plants, Apollo waters. And I love the story that we read very, very well in Matthew chapter 13. It talks about a farmer who went out to sow his seed. The farmer knew that there were paths there. There was a path there. The farmer knew that there were parts of the farmyard that were rocky. The farmer, being a farmer, would have known there are birds there. He had every excuse not to sow. He had every excuse to not do what he needed to do. But do you know what the farmer did? He sowed more than is needed. He scattered the seed everywhere. That is diligence. I wrote in my notes, you have to do more to get more. You cannot do little and expect God to magnify it. It's not an unjust God. You want more results? Do much more than you are doing. You want to get better in the things that do much more. You want to get promoted? Show yourself much more. Do much more. Do much more. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. says, cast your bread upon many waters because you shall find it after many days. Don't just put your bread on one. Don't just put efforts in this. Put your bread upon many waters. Don't just put your investment in one. Put your investment in different things because someday you'll find them. Look at the way verse 6 says, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6. One of my favorite scriptures. In the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, do not say that, oh, I have done what I need to do in the morning, so there's no need for me to walk. It says, in the evening, do not withhold your hand, because you don't know which one will grow, whether this or that, or both. <clears throat> for you to get much more results, you need to do much more. Can I get an amen? amen? And the book of Proverbs is a beautiful book. You should read it more often. <clears throat> There are several ways of describing this, this single word called diligence. Because at times we might look at it and be like, diligence, you know, at times it's very, very vague. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. It says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. That means somebody who is diligent should not be a sluggard. Should not be one who lacks initiative should not be one who needs to be told what to do every time. There's, it should be one that from within themselves decides to do everything they need to do. They know how to do things, whether they are motivated to do it or not. They don't wait for when it is convenient to do it. They just get on to do it. They don't wait for when the boss is around before they do what they need to do. They do it regardless of who is looking at them. That is someone who is diligent. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. 
Proverbs 10, verse 4. It says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. A diligent person should not be someone who is slack, who is weak. You cannot be weak. Tell your you cannot be weak. What do I mean by you cannot be weak? Get skilled. That's what it means. You cannot be the weakest link in whatever it is that you are doing. Today, you might not know. Tomorrow, you must know. If you go for a, come on, think about it. When you first got your job and they do it, you, you were in a meeting, right? And everybody was talking about all, you know, when you get to a new industry, you get to that industry, I'll be looking like that. Because everybody's just using all these jargons that you don't understand. Huh? Mm-hmm. That day, you're allowed not to know. That's why you have Google. By the time you come out of that place, you must know. There's no excuse for not knowing again. Because you cannot be weak. You know, some people have been working all this time that have known you. You have not done one training extra to increase your knowledge. You are weak. It's only someone who is slack that does that. What is your own budget for self-development in a year? What's your plan for that? You want to get beautiful results? You cannot be weak. Thank God you got your degree. 10 years ago, <laughs> even you yourself, you have forgotten what you, uh, your degree, what you learned in school. You need to upskill. You need to upskill. And there's no excuse for upskilling. Every time I get home, my wife is always on, uh, she doesn't watch any other thing than TV, wanting to learn something other. I'm like, well done, girl. That's the way you do it. There are people in church that can teach you things. And do you know the thing about this church? The beautiful thing about this church is that almost everybody that I know in this church is willing to share knowledge with you. It doesn't matter if you can't do it before. Don't worry. They're willing to share knowledge with you. Just look around. What is it that you want to do? There's somebody in this place that does not mind sharing with you, taking you through Excel training, taking you through that business analysis training, the project management training, whatever training you want to do, somebody is willing to help you. So your excuse cannot be the fact that you don't have money. Because the relationship that you need for the next level, God has already supplied. You are the one despising it. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. The same way, it says, The hand of the legend will rule, while the slothful will put to forced labor. May that not be you. Proverbs 22, verse 29. It says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings and not ordinary men. You want to get, to, you want to get beautiful results? Get skilled. Get skilled. Do I get an amen this morning? So, what's the first thing that's important? What's the second thing that's important? But, think about it. People of the world... You see a lot of people that are very diligent and they have an amazing network. And they get good results. Do I get an amen? Am I right? You said no. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> I just want to be sure. <laughs> now, sorry, give me 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's do verse 1 to 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. From verse 1 to 3. 
this boasting will do no good. No, sorry, 2 Corinthians 2, 2, 1 Corinthians 2, verse, let's try 1 Corinthians 2, from verse 1 to 3, sorry about that. Good. It says, when I came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Verse 2. For I decided that while I was with you, I will forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Verse 3. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. Continue. And my, oh, no, no. Why do we? Verse 3. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clear and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 now. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Are you with me? There's something about the power of God. It is much more than human wisdom. It will get you better, beautiful results than what human wisdom will get you. Are you with me? The, 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 the first two elements, diligence and, and beautiful relationships, are things that human wisdom tells us to do. But so that your faith is not based on human wisdom is the reason why you need God as the third element in success. If not, everything you achieve will be based on work. Work is tiring. But there's something that's called the grace of God, the mercy of God. When God is involved with you, the first two get results when you are not even looking. That was why Paul said, I plant, Apollo's waters, God gives an increase. But you must be planting first. Because that's what happened to that farmer. He planted. And Jesus Christ used that story to tell us that, hey, you can get 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. If you bring zero multiplied by 30, what does that mean? Work done, zero. So when God's grace and mercy is involved in something, then you realize that result has to be beautiful. Result has to be beautiful. Result has to be beautiful. And this is where my focus is this morning. That what are those things that can trigger God's mercy? What are those things that can trigger God's involvement? Because our scripture says, with God. That means without God, what does that mean? Without God, something might, some things might not be possible. But with God, all things are possible. What are those things? And there are so many of them in scriptures. We cannot never exhaust it. But I will bring five to us this morning. Those five things that if you and I try to walk with this month, guess what will happen? It's like God is working with us. The first thing is we must appreciate and accept God's sovereign choice. He decides who he wants to show his mercy to and who he does not want to show his mercy to. So two people, Christians, can apply for the same job. One gets it. One does not get it. It's not because God is a respecter of persons. 
it is only because at times God's sovereign choice comes in. Right? In the book of Romans, Romans chapter 9, verse 15, it says, For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Do you know why this scripture is very, very important? Because when you read Romans chapter 9, God said, I raised up Pharaoh for the day of destruction. So the only reason why God made Pharaoh the ruler of this world at that time is so that at some point I can destroy him for his glory to be seen. Are you with me? So God can choose to do whatever he does with anyone. Before Esau and Isaac came around, he said, one, Esau and Jacob came around, he said, one I loved, the other one I hated, not because they did anything. Even those of us sitting here, Jesus Christ chose to die for us. This grace of salvation has been revealed and released unto us even before we were born. So we must respect God's sovereign choice. Number two thing that is very, very important, church, is very, very crucial that triggers God's involvement is the word faith in God, or the phrase faith in God. Faith in God. And scriptures abound for people who demonstrated great faith. There was a story of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13. You can read where you get home. The centurion wanted Jesus Christ to come and heal the servants. But why Jesus Christ was going to even try to make an attempt to come? He said, you don't even need to come. Just send a word and my servant will be healed. Jesus Christ is marvel. The Bible says, he said, I've never seen any faith as such in Israel. He was moved because of that man's faith to do what he will not do. Or what he had not done. He sent forth his word and the man was healed. Faith in God. Absolute faith in God triggers God's involvement in anything that we are doing. The story with the woman with the issue of blood was another one who demonstrated faith. Ideally, she should not even be the presence of God. But one way or the other, she damned everybody's opinion. All those nagging voices, she pushed them away. All those protocols in church, I don't want to hear them. But she went ahead and touched the elm of Jesus' garment. At that minute, she became whole. That is the story of someone who had faith in God because she said in her mind, if only I can touch the hem of his garment. If only I can do this with God, God, I'm going to be whole. This morning, trust in God for healing. I pray for you that you will touch Jesus' garment this morning in the name of Jesus. What about the story of that Gentile woman? When the woman came to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was like, come on, uh, this thing is for children, not for dogs. But the woman still went ahead and pled her case with Jesus. And Jesus said, wow. The woman was like, don't worry. Yeah, let the children be eating. I can't even take off the crumbs. Jesus Christ was moved to do something. May Jesus, may you do something this month that will cause Jesus to be moved. Amen. Oh, come on, I thought I'd get a better amen. amen. May your amen be born again so that Jesus will move. What else triggers God's, God being with us? 
the word faithfulness comes to mind. You know the first one? The first one is faith in God. This time around is faithfulness. Faithfulness in the little that God has given to you. Faithfulness in that which you are currently. Faithfulness. My, my wife, we were talking recently. This is a very simple thing. We're like, how come after we've renovated our house, we have to move to somewhere else? Because it's in those things that you are faithful, where you look after the little that you have currently, that God looks at you and says, yes, now you can do much more. God can increase you. Rather than complaining about where you are or your circumstances currently, guess what? See, complain is anti-faithfulness. Every time you complain about your work, regardless of who surrounds you and what is happening there, you are not being faithful at the workplace. Look at the story of the parable of the talents. One was given one, and he had every reason for not doing anything with it. God rewards faithfulness. What you do with little determines what you're going to do with much. I don't know what I was talking to recently. I will calculate the tax on 100 million. I will realize that it's 10 million pounds. Isn't it? And the person said, come on, God, if I got... In my head, I was thinking, are you paying your tithes? Or the little that you are earning? Because you cannot pay a tithe on 4,000. How can you pay on 100 million? It's a faithfulness in little. In little. God is a God of increase. He's not a God. You know, most of the people, from, I say most, or, okay, let me just say most, some of the people from where I come from, we expect to do a business and eat it immediately. Our God is not like that. God is not like that. God is a God that honors work. Our God is not a God of lottery. That you are dreaming that, ah, let me just do this little business and tomorrow I become a millionaire. It's people that steals that becomes like that. A little there, a little there. You don't know which one will grow. In the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, do you know we told you? Oh, was it not in the Bible that we read? Uh-huh. That's the way God increases. Be faithful. Tell your neighbor, be faithful. Be faithful to your husband. Be faithful to your wife. Be, tell parents, be faithful to your children. Children, be faithful to your mom, to your parents. Be faithful at work. No, tell everyone, be faithful at work. Stop leaving work before time. Now you can't talk. You are working from home, not doing your own business. All those jotters that you are bringing home. <laughs> All those pens. All those photocopying. You know, it, be faithful. Be faithful. All those things are important. May God help us. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. Another thing that's very crucial is Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. This triggers the hand of God. And in workers meeting this morning, we're looking at this. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. 
And this morning when I was coming to church, a thought just comes to me and see, in every land, there is good there. When I say land, I do not mean physical land. In every place that you are, there is good in that place. If you think it's a lie, let somebody take your position. And they will come and testify that there is good in that place. Hmm? That job that you are complaining about, let somebody come and take it. And they come and call, testify. That your husband that you are complaining about, let somebody take it. And then you understand that there's, there's money. There's good in every place. There's good in every place. Every place there's good. Last week we spoke about when nothing is happening, isn't it? Even in that same landing. Do you know there's somebody that's like, God, I've been working all this time. Just give me this period of break. Let me just rest. You, you have break, you are complaining. You don't understand that God has worked your life out. Obedience is key. Abraham obeyed God. And as he was obeying God, more was being revealed. As he was obeying God, God more was being revealed. How wise is it when you're going on a journey that you've never been before and your son now tells you to go right and you're still going left? How wise is that? On a, on a, going somewhere that you've never been before. And your son now tells you, have you been on this journey of life before? Uh, you've never been. And God is telling you to go right. You are arguing. You are arguing that, oh, the last place I went to when I was in my village, we used to go left. This road looks like, no. It might look like, but it isn't. Each day is new. Each opportunity is new. Each day requires new and fresh obediences. It requires new and fresh instructions. Yesterday, to God's glory, we had um, Spark for, for, for the married amongst us. It was an amazing time. And I'm so sure that they would have gone home with new instructions for their own life. They cannot say, oh, this is the way Pastor Kwe does it. Don't follow, don't do what I do in my own marriage. Because you're married, not married to my wife. All of us are different. Every home is different. Hence why you have to seek God yourself. Hence why you have to get different instructions, different directions per time. We might be on the same path. But our all destinations are always different. Every car that goes on this road, they are not going to the same place. At some point, everybody will go their own way. Isn't it, church? So you have to be ready to be obedient. The Bible says it's when your obedience is full. You have to let your obedience be complete. And you must recognize the fact that God is sovereign in your life. The first one I said is that you must accept God's sovereignty. The last one that I'm saying is that you must recognize the fact that without God, you can never be where you are. You can never be who you are. You will not be who you want to be. You must accept the fact that God is all in all in your life. When you look at the story of Solomon, perfect example. The story of Solomon is a beautiful example. 
which a lot of us, and I said the work has been seen, always look at it from the position of, oh, Solomon gave a thousand offering and God spoke to him. No, that is not what occurred. I will use that when I want to get offering from you. But what actually happened in that scripture, the offering that Solomon was giving was as a result of him recognizing that God, there's no way I could have been king without you. Solomon was not the first in the family, was not meant to be the heir to the throne, was not even among the first 12, was not even among the first wife's child. But the grace of God, the mercy of God gave him, gave him beautiful results and he recognized that and said, God, because you are sovereign in my life, then I will do A, B, C, D. Please, church, can I say something which... Uh, my boss, your theology are tired a bit. Please don't come to church and give God. Don't even come to church if God is not going to be sovereign. Right? Because you can attend church and not worship God. You know that. You can attend church and not actually worship God. Come to church because you know that God, without God, you are nothing. I'm nothing. Let everything you do be the, because, oh God, I recognize you as my sovereign God. Let your offering be because, God, thank you for who you are to me. Listen, you can, anyone can give gifts. If it's my birthday, you're going to give me gifts. It doesn't mean I'm sovereign in your life. But I'm saying that when it comes to God, everything that you do must be from the position of God without you, I'm nothing. Do I get an amen? amen? It must be from that position that without you, I'm nothing. It must be from that position of honor. The Lord, hey, it's all you. When you understand that this is what triggers God going with you, then there's no need for us to be begging you to pay your tithes. There's no need for us to tell you to come to church. There's no need for us to tell you that, oh, be faithful at work. Because you know that that job that you received today, ah, God, if it's not for you, I won't get this job. Then you're going to treat it with what? A lot of care. Bible says that whatever your hand finds to do, you should do it as unto God. The way you approach to a lot of things will change. The way you relate with your wife will be different. The way you relate in that relationship will be different. Because there are so many people out there that are trusting in God for what you already have. Why not appreciate him for that? Everywhere Abraham got to, we read this morning, he was setting up an altar there. He was putting God first, even though he has not gotten to the promised land yet. But everywhere that he was getting to, he was putting an altar there to recognize that God, this is how far you have brought me. When you go to the graveyard, you see that headstone. They write in memorial of, isn't it? When was the last time you set up a memorial to what God has done? When? You know, the, you know, the, you know the, the, the interesting thing about setting up memorials for the things that God has done is that at times when you go through the cycles of life and God forbid that you are backsliding, you can get to this point and be like, ah, this was where I was when God did ABC for me. It reminds you. Because every man, our brain, 
is random access memory. At times, they forget. The information that you're bringing in today purges the one yesterday off. The pain of today purges the testimony of yesterday off. So at times, we forget. But to remind you of those things are the reasons why you set up memorials. It's why you do something good. So that the day that you remember that, ah, my God, ah, come on, I, I, let's assume that we've not seen each other for a long time, Richard, and things, and I just meet you, and I'm like, oh, my God, I remember when I gave Richard that suit. Now he's a big man. Do you get it? It reminds you of the goodness of God. Oh, I remember when myself and Mary sat down and were writing that CV. Now she's... Are you with me, church? When was the last time you did something like that for someone or for, 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 for your church or for your people or for your nation, for, for anything? Why does everything have to be about you? Make up your mind this morning, church, that God has to be first. Do I get an amen this morning? Do I get an amen this morning? Yeah. And making God first is a very simple thing to do. It's a very simple thing to do. It's just about you saying, God, I commit everything to you from this day on. There's nothing going to bring to God that he didn't give to you first. There's nothing that you are going to do for God that he is not the one that gave you the grace for it in the first place. The fact that you are seated this morning is because you don't have a boil in your bum. It's only because of his grace. If not, you'd have joined the ushers. <laughs> I don't think the ushers are born. <laughs> That's what I'm saying this morning. But there's nothing that we are that God did not give us grace for. And that is why, as a church, the first Sunday of every year is a time that we say we're going to put God first. And that's why we offer our thanksgiving on the first Sunday of every month. Not because of the things that God has done only, but for the things that he will still do. For the things that we are trusting in him for this month. That's why we do thanksgiving in church. It's not just an activity. It is because we recognize that God is sovereign in our lives. So why not join me this morning and just bow down your head and talk to God. I know all of us are born again, right, isn't it? But why not just commit yourself unto God again? I said, Lord, let me make you first in my life. None other deserves that position but you. None other deserves to be first but you. Why not talk to God and say, God, I'm committing myself back unto you. Committing everything that I am back unto you. Committing my whole being, my whole existence back unto you. Because you alone are sovereign. Why not talk to him this morning?